1: Hello and welcome to The Self Love Club, the podcast chatting about stuff that matters, created and hosted by me, broadcaster Belle Crawford. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. I've dug into the archives and got an episode you may not have heard before. The Self Love Club's actually turning five soon, which honestly cannot believe last few years for all of us. I feel like they've definitely all blurred, but it's been a while. So there are some episodes in our back catalogue you may not have heard before. This one with Laura Henshaw. You may know of Laura, she is the CEO of Kick, which is a health and fitness app. It's incredible, I use it myself and since this chat, Laura has become CEO, the company has also rebranded to Kik and I thought you would really enjoy listening to this, Laura's Honestly, one of the nicest people I've ever met. Since I recorded this, I've actually got to meet her in person when her and her co-founder, Steph Miller, Steph Claire Smith, they came over and did an event and my sister and I got to meet her and it was so lovely. And we follow each other online, so I've got to know her a bit more. But honestly, Laura is a ray of sunshine. She is one of the most positive people you can follow online. And I know you're going to get a lot out of this chat if you haven't heard it already. We will have new episodes released soon. And while we're talking about that, if there is someone from New Zealand and Australia, particularly like a public figure, someone that's well known that you would really like to hear on the podcast, please let me know. You can DM us at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram and at Bell Crawford as well. I'll leave all these details in the show notes. I do interview people from other parts of the world as well, but particularly at the moment, I'm wanting to know who in New Zealand and Australia you would like to hear from. And as a reminder, or if you're new to the Self Love Club, welcome. We love having you here. As the podcast has grown, and we have been doing this for quite a while now. Usually, every second episode is a guest interview, and then in between that, I do solo episodes or I'll have a co-host, my friend Anna joins us, she's back in studio with me soon, and it means we can make all of the content for you. You'll find out more about what we cover in this episode with Laura shortly, but before we get into it, can you please make sure that you are subscribed or following on your podcast app? Hit follow on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening, and make sure you follow us at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. All our social links are in the show notes. Laura Henshaw is an entrepreneur and co founder of the super popular health business Keep It Cleaner, which started as a passion project five years ago and now has a community of over 250,000 members. In this episode, we chat about Laura's experiences with modelling, diet culture, body image, and her sense of social responsibility and how she has done what she has. I loved chatting with Laura and was buzzing afterwards. The highlight of my week. And I'm so excited for you to hear this. I know you'll get a lot out of it. We're so lucky to have Laura on the Self Love Club podcast. Laura welcome to the self-love club podcast so excited to have you on I know the girls are going to be so pumped as well you've been very much well requested so thank you so much for making the time today you are really busy so I really appreciate it oh thank you for having me I'm so excited to chat yeah now tell us a bit about yourself and what you do
0: well this is always a hard question because I never know where to start so I uh, run a health business called Keep It Cleaner with my best friend, Steph, and we founded it about five years ago now. And that has become kind of my full-time job and, and what I do and what I love.
1: Yeah. And take us back. Did you know, we'll go through all of that soon, but growing up, where did you grow up and did you have any idea growing up what you wanted to do?
0: So I grew up in Melbourne in Australia and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went through so many different changes, career idea changes through my time in high school. I wanted to be a singer in primary school, but I I couldn't sing. So that wasn't very good. I wanted to be an actress, but I couldn't act. So that didn't work. I wanted to be the prime minister of Australia at some point. I think when I was in
1: about year eight. Girls got to have dreams, you know, I, I love
0: that. Yeah. And then I wanted to be a doctor, but I did a, um, my work experience at a hospital, which was amazing. I was so lucky to be able to do it but I realized in that week that it wasn't for me and then I wanted to be a dietitian and then right before I got my when I got my ATAR back I got a score that I could get into law with which I'd never even thought about doing English was not my strong suit but I randomly changed right at the last minute and did my law degree well I'm still doing my law degree but I decided to get into that so I have had a lot of changes I think in high school I was really disciplined. That was something that, you know, I I applied to my sport. I was never very good at sport, but I tried. I tried really hard at everything. I applied that to my studies as well. And My mum worked really hard to be able to send uh, myself and my sisters to the school that we went to. And so I really felt like I wanted to show her that I appreciated it and study really hard and and do well. So that was important to me as well.
1: Yeah. You always have worked as well, really hard since you're a teenager. You had, you know, jobs. You've talked about how, you know, you understood working hard and, and the value of, you know, paying for things yourself as well, which I really admire. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm really grateful for that. I think at the time
0: I, a lot of my friends in my friendship groups from primary school and things didn't work as much as I did. And at the time I didn't like it, of course, like any 13 year old that's told they're not allowed to have any clothes unless they buy them themselves. And I now look back on it and I'm so grateful that I had to do that because it just taught me, you know, hard work is just such an important lesson. And I was so, so lucky that I learned it. So early in life, I also learned the value of money. I mean, when I first started working, I was working at Subway and I got $6.70 an hour, which is not a lot, but I, you know, I saved up money and and I learned that if I wanted to buy something, I had to save for it and um, then I could have it. And so I think that was a really important lesson for me as well. And something that even with Keep It Cleaner, Steph and I, our values when it comes to money are quite similar. And so I think because we both work from such a young age and we had that work ethic. And so that's really helped helped as well.
1: Yeah. And we're going to talk a lot more about Keep It Cleaner soon, but also talk us through because you did do a lot of modeling. Uh, So how did that all start for you?
0: So, I was asked to do it a few times when I was in high school, but Mum wanted me to finish school first, which obviously is so fine. It wasn't like I was scouted to you know go and do this big job, so it was it was never a serious thing. I was actually at my cousin's engagement party, and one of her friends was uh, the owner of an agency, and she started speaking to me. and and I think with the modeling industry, it looks so glamorous from the outside. While I really wanted to focus on my studies, being a model, I think for me personally, was something that looked so cool. And I was like, oh my God, wow, like, that would be so amazing. Of course I'd like to do it. And so I started with this agency and then from there ended up changing to another agency. With the modeling industry, especially in Melbourne, I mean, it has taught me a lot of things with the fact that you have to be prepared to be let down pretty much all the time. And so I, I find that's really helped me with work, with fashion. Failures and being knocked back because I was so used to it from the modeling industry. When I first started, I was told that you'd go to 20 castings and you'd be rejected from 19, which, you know, is, is a lot. so much. And going yeah. to, a, yeah, you, you know, you'd drive there, you're there for half an hour or whatever it is. It's a lot of time to give in and be rejected all the time. But that is one lesson I, I learned from modeling that you're not everyone's, just because you're not what everyone thinks is you know attractive or beautiful in their own eyes it doesn't mean that you are not and you have to learn that from a young age in the industry you have to have the thicker skin mm. because there is so much rejection and so I did a little bit of modeling in Australia and then I had a, an agent who placed me with a, an agency overseas and I was an, originally going to go to China but some things went wrong and, and I'm so happy that I didn't because I, I think the expectations on what your body should look like there is quite extreme but I ended up going to Milan I think you know it's for me it was like a dream to be able to say that I went to Italy for modeling but when you get there again it looks so much more glamorous from the outside there's so many people there you go to a casting and there's 500 people in a line that you have to wait like you know four hours and then they see you and they don't even know it's so crazy it's like every different type of person is in that line so they don't even kind of know what they're looking for in that time when I was modeling overseas I lost a lot of weight I think I just I mean, I wasn't in a good place mentally with my body image, but also I just kind of applied it to that. I suppose that work ethic and discipline I've always had. I knew I was sacrificing a semester of study to be there. I knew that to work, I had to be a certain size. So I just... and exercised in a way that would make my body be that size which was just so unnatural for me being on social media I was exposed to and I mean we all are so many diets and bodies that you've just never seen before and they're so perfect and also a lot of the images I think it's a bit less now but people used to really use facetune a lot Mm -hmm. so they and I mean they still do but bodies were totally edited so they didn't even look real and I was aspiring to look like people that I saw online that they didn't even look like that but to me I thought I want to look like them and it really consumed me which was so different from how I grew up when I grew up I never even thought about the word diet I had friends at school that were on diets and I used to just think what a strange concept because I just loved playing sport and i loved food but I didn't really think about anything else so social media really opened that world up for me and I suppose put me in that negative headspace that I needed to look a certain way I think and also at the time a lot of the accounts that were quite big on social media were those with perfect looking bodies there was no realness Mm. on Instagram five years ago it was very much I think there was a hashtag like that you know this Kate Moss saying it's a horrible yeah I
1: don't even want to repeat it yeah, yeah, I know the saying, yeah. You know the saying, it yeah.
0: basically says that you shouldn't eat. That time I was probably about 20. And so, you know, at 20 years old, you should be able to to look at that content and realise that it's not right and to get off it. But but I wasn't able to do that. And that's why I just get so worried for young people coming up now on, on social media, because they're not 20, they're mm. 14 and, and 15. And they're so impressionable. And it's become a really scary place. But it's also changing, I think. Um, and there's a lot more realness on there, which is really good.
1: Yeah, I'm really enjoying that too. It seems to be less about the pretty photos all the time. And also like you're referring to a few when Instagram first started and a few years back, I remember it as well, and I had to go through a couple of years ago and really like unfollow a lot of these accounts. It was all like fitness blogs and like fitness accounts and clean eating and it was just it was all very unrealistic and I think the thing is we didn't realize looking at it these people yes their photos are edited face tuned they've you know changed their bodies and also they're paid to train all day every day and we're not athletes you know and I think that's something (laughs) people don't realize when they look at a photo as well it must have been hard especially when you were in that modeling world where people were basing a lot of what they thought was right for the job and, like, what you looked like. That must have been really hard as a young adult growing up.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think the hardest thing with the modeling industry, which, which is why I don't, I, I still do photo shoots for one one brand basically, which is Jagged. Yeah, I, brand that I, I work really with love them. this
1: stuff and I love that you work with them. Oh. It's really
0: cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love them. They're great, but they don't care what I look like. They they don't expect me to, you know, lose weight before a shoot, of course, or anything like that. I just am myself and that's fantastic. But, but apart from that, I have really um, moved away from the modeling industry because for me it it puts so much emphasis on what I look like and I mean in the modeling industry your self-worth is based on what you look like because that's your I mean your body and what you look like is your currency and that's why you're booked and Mm. I have learned that I'm so much more than what I look like and that is it's not important and and I think as well with something that I've learned with our Keep It Cleaner community is that especially as young women and and women we are not our bodies our bodies it doesn't matter what our bodies look like And, and my perspective on that has changed as well I used to think that you needed to love every single part of your body, but that's absolutely not mm. not true at all. You just have to accept your body and think about how awesome it is for all the amazing things and functions that it can do. And I've, I've come to, I suppose, a really positive headspace with that. And for me, it's just, yeah, about realising that what we look like is not our worth. It has nothing to do with it. There are so many other awesome things that we do that have nothing to do with what we look like, and that's how we should value ourselves.
1: Yeah, that's so true and such a beautiful point. How did you get to that point, do you think? I know it's a long process and we all go through it, but from you know, you spoke about when you were modelling a lot and when you were younger, you did have issues with it and you were underweight and everything. How did you get to that point to now? I think it,
0: it started with, with the fact that when I was really... Like when I was in Italy and I was really starving myself, you think that by getting to a certain weight, you will be happy. And so I had this weight in my head and I thought when I get to this weight, I am going to, all my problems are going to be solved. I'm going to book every job. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to, you know, know what I want to do with my life. And it just seems so crazy to think that a number on a scale can do that for you. And it was crazy because you get to that number and I got to that goal weight and I was not happy. I felt empty and I just thought, oh, actually, I want to change this too and I want to change this too. And so I I think I kind of got to a point and as you said, it took me years, but I got to a point where I realized that changing things in my body or the way my body looks like is not going to bring me any joy at all because we don't have a lot of control over what we look like first of all that's not a place to find happiness our weight I I can't stress enough how much our weight does not make us happy because there's always something we want to change and Mm -hmm. as especially as women because of social media we're kind of programmed to look in the mirror and want to change things about ourselves Uh, you know anyone maybe when I was five years old I looked in the mirror and I thought cool I'm awesome but you know we lose that that those things don't matter when we grow up and we're exposed to different things and we're told that this is how we should look. And, and so for me, it was kind of realizing that when I got to that point, I was had no joy and I just wanted to change more things and you get to a point where you realize that you you keep putting yourself through this pressure for no reason and you're the only one putting it on yourself and I think by doing things outside of modeling that's what really helped me like I really started focusing on my study brought me joy and it made me feel good about myself and confident in who I was and what I could do and then Keep It Cleaner started to grow and I, I we started to focus on that and I find so much fulfillment in helping others and that feeling from when I did that compared to that feeling when I got to a certain I can't even compare them I found my way in what made me feel good and it was not my weight
1: oh sometimes you have to get to those moments of like you know a really horrible moment to realize what's actually important it's like you had to go there and also through going through that you're now able to connect with women on a way and men as well on a way that maybe you wouldn't have been able to which is so important because so many people can relate with that I think most people have had you know body image issues or we ever you're like you say everyone wants to change something about themselves and so it's really important I think for your empathy levels as horrible as to go through that like it's important you know
0: oh 100% and I think when it starts affecting things in our lives like socially I remember when I was really strict on myself I wouldn't go out with my friends because I was so anxious about what they would you know, the oil they would use in my food at the restaurant or the fact that I couldn't control exactly what I was eating and track it in my calorie counter. Some people, you know, counting calories works for them and they might like to, you know, be a certain size or whatever it might be. But when it starts to affect your life, and, you know, I was also, I wasn't able to study because I was so tired mm-hmm. because I didn't have energy because I wasn't eating and it can start to consume every part of your day. That is when you really need to consider, you know, what's going on and how you can change it and, and make positive changes in your life because. When you stop, you know we need social interaction and food is awesome. I mean, I love eating. Food is, you know, you can experience different cultures. I mean, I went to Italy when I modeled there, and I didn't eat gelato until like you know the last few weeks because I didn't think that I could, and I didn't have that experience because of the pressure that I was putting on myself. So I think it's just so important to remember that and how important it is, and and also how much it can actually consume us. Because I I think another funny analogy I always use is when we pass away at our funeral no one is going to stand up and say hey Laura had abs and that's why I remember her I don't have abs also but you, you know so that's do. not why people remember <laughs> <us>. <laughs> that, that's not you know that that's not why yeah here, you're so um, right um, you know to make a difference
1: yeah you're so right and people aren't thinking about the physical they're thinking about I mean, they might think, oh, that person's pretty or something, but their friends or their family, they think about how they make them feel and that's what's important, right? Did you have to get professional help at all with your eating? Like, I know from my own experiences, it can be hard to sort of, I mean, it can take time and you just slowly chip away at it, but it could be hard to move your mindset from, you know, worrying about, and I've had the same thing, worrying about what oil things are being cooked with to then having a healthy relationship with food. Talk us through that.
0: I didn't actually get any professional help, but looking back now, I... I should have and I think it was just when you're in it because you're so consumed by it you know and anyone listening that's been through it will understand and you as well you don't realise how serious the problem is because you think it's normal and you are so focused on what you're trying to do you can't think of you know trying to get help to fix it and so for me it was spending a lot of time with Steph who had been through a really similar kind of thing and slowly getting out of it and slowly finding joy and having people in my life that made me Realize that I didn't need to worry about it, um, and also, as I said, moving away from modelling, almost a hundred percent away from it, helped me so much because I, I stopped focusing on it. So for me, it was kind of taking the things out that were triggering in my life and cleaning up my social media as well really helped. But I know for a fact that if I had of you know spoken to a psychologist or something at the time, I would have been able to would have been able to get through it quicker. But you know, in hindsight, a hundred percent. But I didn't. But if anyone is you know listening to this or has has had issues like that it's so important to Mm. go and speak to someone about it I think we we speak about going to a GP and you know if we have the flu we go straight away but with our mental health there's still this big stigma about going to see someone and and I think it's really really important that we speak about it if you need it definitely go go and do it because that's what those people the psychologists are there for to help Mm. us.
1: Talk us through Keep It Cleaner and the creation of that. And I think people might see it now and you do have an incredibly amazing community. But, you know, that's five years in the making. So that's a lot of work. And I think in this day and age, people see stuff and they're like, wow, that's cool. I wish I could do that. Or I wish my thing was like that right now. But that is five years of a lot of hard work, I can imagine. So take us back to when you first created it.
0: Yeah, I think that's so that's something I think that social media makes us think that everything just happens and grows yeah. overnight, but it's it's definitely not the case. So when I was actually in Italy, because I couldn't do I didn't have any studies to do, I was so used to studying at night that I wanted to do something to kind of distract myself. And I started a blog with recipes. I love sharing healthy recipes. And and I started that, which actually took me a lot of I had a lot of self-doubt before I started that because I wondered what my friends would think of me because I was starting this blog. Like, who was I? Did I think I was a blogger? And all of those thoughts, you know, go through your head before you do things that are a bit different. And anyway, it took me maybe a year or two to actually build up the guts to do it. And it was kind of going away that enabled me to do that. And so I, I sat on my blog and when I came back, Steph... Or had she has a, had a huge following at the time she obviously now has a humongous following but at, at the time for compared to everyone else she had a really big following and people were always asking her what her recipes were and what she was eating and we'd started talking and she actually had a dream that we made a book together an ebook and I kind of worked on most of the sweet recipes and Steph worked on the savory recipes and we literally just googled how to make an ebook there was no um you know we didn't have a marketing strategy or any strategy at all past you know just the day what we were working on and we worked out how to do it and at the time in the health industry there was a lot of calorie counting things and there was also a lot of kind of wellness books but cookbooks, but they were all so complicated and and expensive and and hard to make. And so Steph and I made a really basic ebook and the response was amazing when we released it. It wasn't perfect, but people really resonated with it because it was such a simple approach to health, which I suppose is what Keep It Cleaner is. And so from there, we then started a, we used the money from from the ebook. We saved it up to build a website and then we built a website, which was a subscription kind of blog website. And then from there, we started our program on the website as well but that was with with all the workouts and everything and then after that we then launched the app so it's been a you know a really gradual transition and we were really lucky at each stage we were able to test kind of what we were doing before we then invested more into it to grow it to the next level because obviously building an app is such a expensive process and, and it's just such a big process so we didn't just go from you know having this idea to then starting an app we'd kind of built it built it along the way as you said over um three years before we then launched the app and we then have just relaunched it into kick 2.0 in in the past I think it was how long it feels like it's been a while we because we've been looking at it for so long in the background it feels yeah. like kind of ages but yeah it's it's absolutely incredible when we were recording the content for the new uh kick 2.0 we, we built kind of like a kick house and yeah all these huge so sets cool and Thank colour, you. The color scheme. I'm amazing. like, oh, it's so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> we were Yeah, we we're so proud of it. And Steph and I kind of just, when we walked in and we, we saw it when it had been constructed, we just looked at each other like, oh my goodness, how has this kind of idea turned into kind of what it is today? Because when we first, on our first kind of little subscription blog that we had, we used to film workouts randomly in the back corner of a gym on our iPhones, you know, to be able to be in this incredible set and and have all these new amazing trainers has just been the most
1: amazing feeling in the whole world and now it is, oh yeah well done so like that's so amazing what you've done you should be so proud of yourselves and yeah it must Thank be so you. it must be so cool seeing it grow from like you say filming in a gym on your phone to now having you know professional teams and you have like trainers on board kick 2.0 talk us through it and what's different about the new app
0: so we kind of took all of the community's feedback on board and to put into the new app, but the, the app we had before was great, but we worked with Michelle Battersby, who we bought on board. We didn't buy her. <laughs> <laughs> we bought her from Bubble. No, <laughs> Michelle, who we brought on board. yeah, um, She has been incredible and, and really helped Steph and I um, and work with the community and work with us on how we can improve it. I think when you work on a product for so long and you're in the product, it's really hard to look at it from, the outside because Mm. you're just in it. And Steph and I have been working on Keep It Cleaner, you know, at at that stage for a you know, nearly five years. So when Mish came on, we we did focus groups, work with the community to see what, what they needed and what they wanted. And we just wanted to really refresh it and and add more motivating content, but then also make sure we still kept the things that people loved about Keep It Cleaner. I think change is really important for businesses, but it's also important to remember, you know, what your core values are and what your core product is and not steer too far away from that. So we've got masterclasses in there, which is very similar to how the old app was in that. We film the whole class in real time. So when you do the workout, it's like you're actually in a class and we've got all these new amazing trainers who take those classes. So Steph and I used to be in every workout video, but we're not now, which has been so well received from the community, which is awesome because they get more variation. And then there's also a daily workout as well where you can link your Spotify or your Apple Music and just turn it on and go and you don't have to follow it in real time you can just see what you have to do and, and get it get it over and done with, which is how some people love to work out and that's totally fine. So it's all about, you know, enjoying your workout and having lots of variety in there. I think sometimes I want to go on and just get one done and not follow one in real time, but then sometimes I need that extra motivation and I love doing a masterclass. So we want exercise to be fun and we're trying to break down as, as many, you know, when you, all the reasons that you don't exercise, like I can't be bothered, I'm too tired. I, you know, I don't, I'm not motivated. We're just trying to make it as easy as possible with kicks, so we can get more people exercising because I, I think when you start moving your body um, and you start to, you know, eat a bit healthier, you just feel so good mm. and you want everyone to feel that way. And so anyone that follows me on Instagram probably gets so sick of it, but nearly every morning I'm on there, you know, being like, come on, you can do it, get up and move your body because I've just moved mine and, and it made me feel so good and it can help with so much more. And that's what Kick is all mm. about. It's not just, well, it's not at all about transforming your body. It, you know, that's something, that just happens in the background when you start exercising. But what's important is how it makes your mind feel. And I think as well, when you push through a workout and you didn't think that you could do it, you really prove something to yourself. And I think I take that feeling Um, And I apply it to so many other areas of my life when, you know, you might be in an an instance where you don't feel that you're good enough or you don't feel you like you deserve to be there. But I take that inspiration from when I push past, um, you know, when I didn't believe in myself and I actually did it. Mm. And, And that helps me so much.
1: Yeah, oh, so it's so true And I love that you're encouraging people Because it's, it's like the best feeling And then you feel so productive and happy And um, the, yeah, the benefits, I think, for your mental health like That's the main reason I exercise I mean, yes, it's important to move your body But, you know, you've got to for your brain, right? And move your body Like, I just don't feel the same if I don't And also there's the food side on there too And I what I love about it is It's not a, and this is a key point That you've pointed a difference you have There's no mention of weight loss Like, a lot of fitness Or like, you know, it's all about a diet and lubrication Lose weight or lose this ridiculous amount of weight in like a week. But kick is nothing to do with that, is it?
0: No, not at all. And that's so important to us. And it's a conscious choice that we've made from the beginning. The thing about using those words is they get people to click on your ads. They, you know, they get people to sign up. But we've always always said that we will never do it because it's not what kick is about. And and kick is about making small changes that you can actually sustain long-term. So we know that it's not sustainable to start exercising an hour a day for, you know, six days a week and and eating chicken and broccoli. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course, if you do that, you will lose weight because your body will not have enough calories and you'll be overburning, but you'll be tired and you won't feel good. And you're not going to sustain that. And that's not what health is. Steph and I have both been through a time as we've touched on where I, you know, we deprived ourselves and we we were at our skinniest which was absolutely not our healthiest so we want people to to join kick and and learn and empower themselves with things that they can learn and take that on board for the rest of their life it's not a quick fix it's not about just you know losing a dress size or fitting into a dress we want you to join kick and find health your health journey everyone's health journey is different but find something that works for you in your life because I think sometimes you know if you might try a certain diet because you've seen that someone lost weight because of it but if you have to make a certain, a different meal than your family for breakfast, lunch and dinner, and you have to, you know, prepare the vegetables special and, and do all these things, but you work full time and you have kids, you're going to do that for a week. And then you're going to think, oh my goodness, I can't do this. It's not going to work. So it's not about that. It's, it's about making changes that actually work for you, um, because otherwise you're not going to be able to sustain them.
1: It must be so rewarding seeing the community and, you know, the ways that you've helped them and empowered them. That must be so rewarding. That, that's so most special part about
0: what we do and and I think it's been hard in isolation while we're so lucky we can connect with them every day in the Facebook community and it's literally the fact my favorite part and Steph's favorite part of her day as well Ooh, when we meet our community members in real life that is the most special I, I can't explain the feeling it's we we when you we hear that kick is helped especially because we work you know behind a laptop screen for most of the day so we can't actually see the impact that kick has on people in real life and so when we get to see that it is just oh my goodness I can't even explain the feeling seven I burst into tears every single time Hmm. because it's so special to know that kick has been able to help people you know feel more confident and and find their balance and have energy and kick is not just about fitness it's about so many things and so our community is the best part of keep it cleaner and it's funny when we first started Steph and I were kind of having to reply but we did we wanted to reply to every single thing that that was posted in there but as the community has grown we're just a part of it now because they don't need us our community you know they've got each other they're so awesome and we're just really really proud to be in there and they just motivate us and inspire us every single day so yeah we're, we're so lucky to have them and it, it's such an important part of, of what we do
1: that's so special yeah and when I think that's one of the thing when you create things out of love and for a, like a good purpose that always happens and talk us through I heard that there were people early on that said you wouldn't be able to do what you did you know and not that we need to focus on that but you know there's always going to be people who think you can't do something or oh, you're not going to be able to create this app it's not going to work talk us through that and overcoming that
0: Yeah, so I think the best part about when that happened to us was we were quite naive about what we were in for. So we were just like we wanted to prove, you know, these people wrong and we wanted to show them that we could do it. And I think it's okay to use that as motivation. And we did, but the, the best thing about when people put you well, not the best thing, but the one I suppose one positive thing about when people say you can't do things is you can use it as motivation, but then once you go and do those things you don't think about them anymore. Like it's not like we're wanting to show them, Hey, look what we've done. They motivated us to do, to do it. And then we're we're so thinking far ahead. You can't, I, I don't know. I feel like that's something that's been really important to us to not try and focus on those things. Um, but no one can tell you that you can't do anything. And, and, you know what you can do. It's about, you know, believing in yourself, which is what we've spoken about. But it's why so often you hear about people that, when I wanted to start my blog, I spoke to people about it and they were like, oh no, like you can't do that. But, or you might want to change your your job and they'll say, oh no, like that doesn't really suit you. You should stay where you are. Or you might want to start a business. Oh no, you know, you're really good at what you do. Why don't you just stay there? And there's always going to be people around us that are going to do that because they feel uncomfortable about change, first of all. But the reason it's so important to kind of have people in your life that you listen to and and you know, love you and are looking out for you, and then the rest of them can honestly, you don't need to listen to them, (laughs) is because they're not going to be the ones that are up until, you know, one in the morning working on your project, or they're not the ones that have to sacrifice things in life to get to where to do what you want to do, I think. With Keep It Cleaner, it's been amazing, but I have, and Seth is the same, we have sacrificed a lot of things, you know, with our social life and with friendships and and things, because you can't have everything at once. You can't have an amazing social life and and run a business and also, you know, do really well at, at other parts of your life it just doesn't work. You kind of sometimes have to choose. And so you're the one that's going to have to make those sacrifices. So it's so important to make sure that you only take advice from people that that really do have your back. And you know, it's great to use the other, if people say that you can't do it, use it as fuel. But yeah, it's important not to listen to it because I think so many people don't do things because they're scared of failing and not being good enough or judgment. And it's so sad that that we think like that, and we let those thoughts affect us because we shouldn't at all. And and we are the only ones who truly know what we're capable of, and we are in control of that. And I think it's just really important to to remember that. But obviously, it's a, it's sometimes harder said than done when when there's negative things coming at you. But it's just so important to always remember that it starts from within. Mm,
1: so true. And I know that you and Steph, you must work so hard. I've heard about how hard you work and how your schedules are so. Bad busy you've talked us through some of those sacrifices but what sort of things you know like how do you work out how to do this I think when you're you guys are entrepreneurs and when you are creating something you have to work it out on the go you have this idea and you just you know and you create it right but how did you work that all out and what kind of what sacrifice did that look like you know when your friends are out doing things and you're working the whole time like you say till 1am on a project or something So I I think at the start,
0: we literally just went with it and we Googled everything and we worked it out. Google is is an amazing tool and we spoke to people that we knew in our network that were able to help us with things and now it's very, very different. We have got an incredible team who own what their roles are and they do that themselves. Steph and I, you know, we're not experts in every area and that has been so important for us to learn and realise. We have our team to because they are so good at what they do and so that's really important to know. But, I mean, back when you first started a business, you don't have the luxury of having a team. It's just, you know, yourself or whoever you start your business with the sacrifices have been in the, sometimes in the moment, it, it feels like it's a big sacrifice. But when you look back on it, you know, it's okay. And, and I think it is it, it does come into a lot with family and, and friends things and, and having a social life. You know, I've missed friends' birthdays and just things like that that I, and I think no matter what, you're always going to feel guilty. And that's one thing I haven't worked out. And I don't know the, the secret of, of how not to feel that because I think no matter what, you're going to be letting something down. But once you start a business, unfortunately with a lot of the decisions you make and things that happen if you're the one running the business you you've got to fix it and if something goes wrong you have to say no to you know you might say no to something you really want to do because you have your business and that's what you have to do but you kind of just get used to it and because Steph and I have each other I think that's been really amazing we've missed out on things but we're together so Mm. and then the opportunities that Kik has you know created for us and the doors that it's opened and the people that we're able to help I think that is what makes it worth it think if we were running a business for the reason of, oh, we just want to make revenue and and you know have this big business, there's no way Kick would have been successful or we would have passion for it because we're just so connected with the purpose and the values and and wanting to help people. I think that's why, you know, we might work a lot or have to do a lot of things, but it it makes it okay because what we're doing, we feel like is our purpose and it's so fulfilling. And so I think that would be my biggest advice to anyone who wanted to start a business is just to make sure that you are really connected with what your business's purpose is, because you will have to make sacrifices and you're only going to make them if you really care about what you're doing and and it does fulfill
1: you it does sound like and from what I can see and, and sort of work out it seems like you have a lot of social responsibility in what you're doing and also like when it comes to social media as well which is so important you know we've talked already about like the impact social media and, and seeing edited images has on people and, and their idea and their self worth Do you have you ever gone through times of doubting what you post because I know I've gone through that even yeah like sometimes you're like oh should I be even saying that even if it's an important message you sort of as things grow you can sort of Question yourself a bit if you know what I mean.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. I question myself every <laughs> single day. I'm an overthinker, which is which is annoying in in the job that that I have. But I I think it, it's normal to to overthink things like that. And I think sometimes when you overthink things, and especially because I, I do have anxiety, and uh, there's a beautiful woman called Dr. Jody. She's a anxiety expert, and she speaks about anxiety as something that you care because you care that saying and and what she says has meant so much to me because overthinking is okay and it's okay if you really care about it's important to really care about things that that you're putting out there I do put a lot of care and thought into everything I put out online because mainly I you know I went through and same with Seth such a hard time because of social media and and I know what it feels like and I think back to young me and then I think of young other people that are so impressionable and even younger and I don't want them to go through what I went through and I, I want to be able to help them. And so Steph and I are both so conscious of everything we post and making sure that anything that does go out is, you know, a positive influence on, it doesn't always have to be positive, mm. but it's just doing no harm. I think that that's the most important thing. But it's also important being on social media to know that you will get things wrong and that's okay because as long as you get things wrong and you own up to it and you you learn, I think that's more important than, um, than not doing anything at all. And that's something that I've really been learning, but I'm not always going to get it right. That's okay. As long as I'm going to then learn how to get it right Mm -hmm. and, and not make that mistake again.
1: Yeah, I so agree with you. And I think, you know, we're seeing a lot more realness on social media and, you know, the things like TikTok has made things a bit more fun as well. You know, it's not so much about the pretty photos, but I do really worry that people think they have to look a certain way and you are starting to see a certain Instagram look the way people's faces and using certain filters, which, look, we all have a cute filter now and then if the lighting's cute and everything like that, nothing wrong with it. But I have to remind myself that it's an app and that we don't all have to be like advocates for positivity. But like I get frustrated when sometimes people have a really huge platform and they don't really, I don't know, they post things that could be damaging to people or like a really expensive thing. And that's cool for them, but I would never want my audience to not like look at something and be like, I can't afford that. You know what I mean? So yeah, I I just get frustrated by it sometimes. Do you feel similar? Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent.
0: I think as well, I mean, growing up, we were comfortable. Like when we always had, I went to a great school and, um, we always had things that we needed but yeah. we didn't have my parents separated when I was in year seven and so my mum basically we kind of lived off my of my mum's salary and we didn't have as much as my friends had I suppose that's kind of when you're young that's what you can yeah. things to what, what your friends have and I think back to how much I valued material items at the time like I remember at high school we had this casual dress day once it's term and I would dread it because I knew I didn't have any new clothes and I'd have to wear the same thing that I wore the last time. And I thought that it mattered so much. And those things don't matter. You know, what we wear doesn't matter. And I always struggle, struggle in my mind with this. It's kind of this battle between, I, you know, I want to support Australian designers and, you know, amazing businesses doing cool things. But at the same time, I'm also very conscious that someone might see my post and you know then spend their their money that they've worked after school for and they you know Mm -hmm. like like I did on it or think that they need it and so I'm really cautious of that I think Instagram is is amazing an amazing marketing tool but it's really hard to find that balance of you know wanting to support brands but then at the same time and also having to work because for quite a bit of time posting stuff on social media was where I made my income from but also balancing that with making sure that what you're putting out there is something that you would actually buy
1: and, and you think has value. People are modelling themselves on people like, you know, the Kardashians. And I know they get a bit of, bad, of a bad rap, but they do some really irresponsible things on social media. You know, they have so much money. Like, why do they need to promote things like, you know, diet pills and stuff like that that are just so damaging, you know? Oh, 100%. I,
0: that is just to me when I, I think I can't remember when it was but I remember I was sitting in my car when I saw that Kim Kardashian had posted that I remember the exact moment she posted the lollipop and I just thought to myself like why are you posting Mm -hmm. that like you have all the money in the world you don't need more money I mean but I suppose then it comes back to everything's relative and I'm sure a billionaire or whatever she is probably needs to have more money I feel like that is an instance where you're doing harm to better yourself or you know better your bank account and that's where you really should consider it and so if people do follow them you know they're and they actually are success, very mm. successful yeah. business women and they've killed it. Yeah. But I think if you do follow people like them, take inspiration you know, from their fashion or whatever it might be, but also realise that they live in a totally different World to us, what they have, we don't need to be happy. I think that's something that I've definitely learned over the years when I was you know when I was younger and and on those casual dress days, I thought things like you know having new clothes would make me happy and and make me feel good. And now I'm in a financial position, and I feel so lucky that I am able to you know buy clothes if I need them and and things and and buy I have more clothes than I need. I don't need how many clothes that I have. <laughs> but what I've realized is, being able to have superficial items up to a point having financial security is definitely, you know, so, so important and, and so empowering because it means that, you know, you you don't have to stress about things like, you know, clothes or whatever it might be. But I think it brings you happiness up to a point where you feel, um, I suppose, safe and secure in, in your finances. And then past that point, I don't think owning five Chanel bags compared to 10 or one, whatever it is, is actually going to bring you any more joy. Because I think, as you can see with the Kardashians, you get one thing and then they just want, you know, they might have a, a $10 million house and then they'll just want a $20 million house. The grass is always greener. And so I always kind of think about that. And and I've really redefined in my own head, what I think success is. I, I did used to think that it was, you know, having all these cool things and being able to buy, you know, whatever you wanted, but I don't think that that's the case at all. I think, yeah, it doesn't bring you fulfillment. Just, I suppose, like for me, how that number on the scales didn't bring me mm-hmm. fulfillment. I, I think there's so much more to life than superficial items like that.
1: Yeah, what does success is a big question, but what is success or like what brings you the most happiness in life if it's not those superficial things, which is really cool, by the way. <laughs> I'm so with you <laughs> on that. <laughs> um, I, I think for me, what I
0: have now feel is successful is being able to help people. I get my energy and I feel just so I find so much joy in being able to help people, and I'm so lucky that we're able to do that with Keep It Cleaner. For me, knowing that a young woman is now more confident in herself, or she feels better because she's exercising, not because of what she looks like, but just because it makes her feel stronger and more empowered in her life, like that is. If we have done that to to one person or helped one person with that, that is success to me. And and so I feel very very lucky that that I'm able to do that. But I, I think I've also realized that I think success, how we think about success and how we define it will changes as we experience more things and and we grow older and and I also used to think success kind of meant knowing everything but now I realize that I know nothing I know some things but I have got so much to learn and unlocking that in your head and realizing that you don't know everything and you can still learn is also the most empowering feeling and that's kind of happened to me over the past few years and and that's helped me so much as well.
1: Talk us through your go-to self-care practices. What does self-care look like to you? Obviously exercise, is a, is a big part of that because it makes you feel good. And, I mean, hello, kick, like that's your thing. That's your baby.
0: So, uh, yeah, definitely exercise. And for me, the, the biggest thing I can do for myself is running. I love running and, and going out and clearing my mind and also just being in nature. I feel so lucky we live quite close to the beach, and so I have a running track that is kind of more of a trail, and it, sometimes you can see the beach out through the trees, and it, it's so beautiful, and that for me is my number one self-care that I can do for myself also listening to positive podcasts that make me feel good and walking outside that is just something that makes me feel so good and just lifts my mood especially during ISO it's been something that I have been doing quite a lot and that's helped me so much uh reading I'm reading uh at the moment a book called the happiest man on earth it's like the bestseller, I think all over the world and um Eddie who wrote it he's 100 years
1: old wow and that's been yeah, I really
0: recommend it. I it's love reading a, so great, thanks for the
1: recommendation. Yeah, it's
0: cool. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great read. But doing things like that, kind of just reading things that, that make me feel good, listening to things that make me feel good and, and exercising and, and cooking as well. I find I, I used to be quite a well, I kind of still am, a very messy cooker because <laughs> I'm like I don't really care about the measurements. I just like want to yeah, get yeah. it done. So- but, um, um my partner Dalton he is a very he kind of finds cooking quite therapeutic and mm-hmm. recently I've been like wow how do you do that and we've kind of been cooking together and when you want to cook properly you have to focus and you can't go on your phone and things and so we've been doing that together which is awesome but I think actually my number one self-care is, cuddling my dog. Um, That brings me so much happiness. And working from home, that's the one positive about
1: working from home is I can have unlimited cuddles. What are some advice, knowing what you know now that you would share with your younger self? I think
0: the biggest thing I would share with my younger self would be that uh, superficial items and and when I say superficial items I know also it's because I'm not like a full fashion icon or I'm not a fashion icon at all yeah you are so, girl but I feel like you yeah guys? you are <laughs>
1: slay <I, yeah.
0: laughs> for some people like fashion like a bag and things might bring them so much joy because that you know that's what they love and that's so fun I'm not taking anything away from that but for me personally I worried so much about those things and now I've realized that they didn't matter and there's so many other ways that we should value ourselves you know for me the the way I really value myself is how I treat others and how I make others feel and that is free you know you, it doesn't matter you could have all the money in the world or you could have no money at all and you could still make other people feel good that is something that I wish I could tell my younger self you know not to worry about all the small things that are not important and just really focus on you yeah, how you make others feel and, and things like out my your mind your mind is so important like things that you do in your career like things that you do at uni or whatever it is whatever you found your Passion to be things that you do in there, that's what's important. It's Mm. not what about what we look like or what we have or what we own. There's so many other things in life that mean more
1: you've given us a lot of advice in there for others but what is some advice you would like to share to those listening who want to you know do incredible things and and help people and and do things that you really love like you are Uh,
0: I think to believe in yourself and I know that is the most corny thing to say but it really does start from within and no one is going to believe in you if you don't believe in yourself I I always think of a scenario you go into a job interview and you have never met this person and you don't believe that you're good enough for the job how on earth is the person across from you going to believe it it starts with you you have to believe in yourself and, and I think especially as women we undervalue ourselves because we're scared of letting people down but it's so important not to do that. Yeah, it's just you have to remember that we are in control of our confidence and how we feel. And sometimes we have to fake it and so many of us do and that's okay. But yeah, it really starts from within and you have to take control of that yourself.
1: Oh, thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for your time today, Laura. I've so loved chatting with you. You're so cool. Thank you so much for what you're doing and for your time today oh Bauer, you're a legend thank you and i love your podcast yours is one of the positive ones i listen Aww. to to make me feel good do so you thank listen you. oh my god yeah, oh my god that's like kind of i'm just like what you listen like thank you i'm like whoa thank you so much yeah when i first i started my podcast i would come to melbourne a bit for like family and work and people over there are just so cool at like being on it i'm like oh my god i'm like can't believe you listen thank you so much <laughs> That's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Self Love Club. Now, the most helpful way you can support us is to subscribe or follow on your podcast app if you haven't already. Also, select automatic downloads and leave us a five-star rating. And if you enjoy listening to our episodes, please write us a kind review. This all really helps other people find us so we can keep making the Self Love Club and share the link with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at Self Love Club Podcast to keep up with our content and videos from our episodes. I'm at bell crawford bell underscore crawford on TikTok, where I post multiple times a day. And join our private Facebook group. Details for all of these with links in the show notes. New episodes are released on Mondays from 5 a.m. New Zealand time. I'll catch you soon. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.